Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Spark Rentals Facebook Live and podcast. Happy um, Tuesday. Both Brian and I are on together. <laughs> I know, it seems like it's the first time in a while. It does. It does. It's been an interesting summer. Um, last week, Brian, you interviewed An Andy Kalaji from The House Guys, and that was a great interview. Um, we're getting feedback on that. And um, this week, with the uh, lifting of the ban on evictions, we're going to do evictions post moratorium. What, what you landlords all need to know about this, because it is going to cause a little upheaval so uh <laughs> um let's start with uh just a brief description on exactly what this eviction moratorium was sure and as you guys join us you know uh let us know where you're tuning in from and and let us know what your questions are this is a interactive broadcast unlike your typical podcast series so the federal eviction moratorium, it, it started back in spring 2020 with the CARES Act, and then that actually expired last summer. And then the, the CDC went in and, and created their own moratorium that was more extensive. Uh, that was originally scheduled to expire at the end of last year, at the end of 2020, and then it kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back until uh, eventually- Which is crazy in itself that, that the CDC would even get involved in, in this to begin with. But anyway, like I have. Right. And a lot of people felt that it was an overstep of their, their boundaries uh, and their mission. Um, so it was, it was a pretty comprehensive nationwide eviction ban. Um, you know, there was an income cap for tenants, but it was, it was pretty high, um, you know, tenants, could, single tenants could earn as much as $99,000. Married tenants could earn as much as $198,000 uh, for their adjusted gross income for the previous year um, and, and still fall under this ban and, and not be allowed to be evicted. Um, and the, the rules for qualifying were pretty easy. It was things like having to experience a, quote, substantial loss of household income, um, but the documentation required was not very... Uh, not very extensive. So most tenants fell under this eviction moratorium that was nationwide. Now, with this nationwide moratorium ending as of uh, July 31st, a couple of days ago, there are still some states that impose their own eviction moratoriums or moratoria. <laughs> I guess the, the proper, I'm not sure what the proper plural of that word is. Um, and a lot of them have kind of quirky rules. You know, some of them are simple and straightforward, but a lot of them, you know, it's it's not really clear whether you can evict. And landlords, in some cases, they can technically file for eviction, but they have to jump through a bunch of hoops in order to do it. So, for example, in four states, 
in Massachusetts, Nevada, New York, and Oregon, landlords can't file to evict tenants if those tenants have a pending application for rental assistance. Which you And know, with that being about. said, there's a backlog of these uh, applications. So technically, these tenants are, are, or the landlords are kind of stuck until they catch up, which who knows when that'll be. Precisely. So the federal government, surprise, surprise, has done a terrible job rolling out uh, the money that it earmarked for rental assistance. So, and then of course, states have, have bungled it to various degrees as well. So there's money that has been set aside for rental assistance and has rolled out. Um, but most, most tenants and landlords don't actually have access to it because um, the process of applying for that has been delayed and in many cases been extremely confusing both for tenants and for landlords. So, you know, in these states where landlords can't file for eviction, if there's a pending application for rent assistance, like you said, Danny, that could be months and months from now. It could be a year from now, mm -hmm. uh, depending on how slowly and inefficiently these governments roll out the benefits. So Julian Olin from um, DC is saying, and <clears throat> we, we were going to talk about that in a little further on in the broadcast, but that evictions in DC against tenants for non-payment has been extended through October 12th. And I'm going to be putting a link in the chat um, that will take you to more detailed information about each state and their, um, their standards and what they're allowing and not allowing. But DC, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, DC is very tenant friendly, very tenant friendly. So we'll just, we'll quickly walk through some of these states uh, that still have eviction moratoriums in place. Um, since Julian pointed out DC, we can start there. Um, so there is a rule that landlords who had filed for eviction before the pandemic, um, but whose tenants were given a, a stay by the, uh, the nationwide pan, uh, moratorium, they can file for eviction as early as August 26th. Um, but of course, that's not most landlords in DC uh, with tenants who are behind on rent. So like Julian said, for uh, most tenants, it's October 12th is when they can uh, start filing again. And the DC did put a 60 day notice requirement in place for filing eviction for non-payment of rent. So very onerous on the landlord, uh, very restrictive, but not surprising at all for a very tenant friendly jurisdiction like right. DC. Um, so Hawaii, they're moratorium ends in just a couple of days that ends on august 6th assuming that it's not extended um in maryland uh right right next to dc uh they have an eviction moratorium in place that ends on august 15th again if it's not extended uh maryland is also uh very tenant friendly um my home state and i i no longer invest there because of that um Illinois has an eviction moratorium in place that is scheduled to end on August 31st. Uh, New York has a moratorium that is also scheduled to end on August 31st, um, but they have some some other quirky rules uh, involved, and you know landlords have to. Um, you know, if tenants submit a hardship letter, then there's extra hoops for the landlord to jump through. Uh, California has an eviction moratorium in place through September 30th. New Jersey has a really long moratorium yes. in place uh, through the end of this year, through the end Which of 2021. It's not um, surprising at all. No, 
not surprising mm-hmm. at all. New Jersey is very blue, very tenant friendly. Um, not a great place to be a landlord. Um, and then there are a couple of states that have, you know, some some more quirky rules about when landlords can uh, file for eviction, when they can't. So, for example, um, Washington State uh, right now are they are not allowing most evictions. Um, for rent that's owed between April of 2020 and June 2021. Um, in Oregon, uh, again, we, we talked about how Oregon, you know, landlords can't evict if tenants have a pending application for rent assistance. Um, but there are some additional rules there. So landlords have to give tenants until the end of February 2022 uh, to make up those rent payments that were owed from what they consider the height of the pandemic, that's April 2020 to June 2021. Um, so, you know, landlords are, are supposed to give tenants a, um, a, a, what they say, a reasonable rent payment plan option to make up those payments between now and the end of February. Um, and I love the use of the words reasonable. Right. Because that's not a, a loaded or subjective term or anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> And then Connecticut has some quirky rules as well. Um, landlords can't file for eviction um, unless or until the landlord has applied for federal rental assistance. So Connecticut set up a web a web portal called Unite CT that landlords have to go through, and and they have to um, they the landlord has to file themselves for federal rental assistance, and then. Um, yeah, it's it's super quirky, and you know, there, there, it's now a thirty-day uh, appeal process before you can file for eviction instead of a three-day appeal process. And um, so, anyway, so Denny is uh, sending. Yeah, okay, so she sent a link here in the comments to where we have some right. more details about these state-specific eviction moratoriums. Um, so, if you're in any Kevin, of those states, or what's that, Denny? Oh, I was just saying, Kevin uh, Thompson was saying that Ohio is proceeding with evictions, but, and he brings out a good point, certain larger cities are going to be more difficult than others. And I think it's all, it's very important to know that not only do you have to check into your state's regulations revolving around this, but also, um, especially if you're in a larger city, but any, any jurisdiction you want to make sure and check because they're all going to pop out with their own individual you know, regulations around how to do this. Yeah, that's a great He also point, goes Kevin. on to say it's sad that states like New Jersey and Connecticut, it wipes out the mom and pop landlords, and he's right. And it's more likely that the giant faceless corporation that owns thousands of units can even weather this. But right. absolutely right on that. Yeah, so that's, that's one of the problems with anti-landlord regulation. Um, and I don't want to take it too political to too political a place, but this is largely a, a, a blue state phenomenon, right? The anti-landlord regulation, um, you know, tenant-friendly regulation. One of the downsides of that is that it it really puts mom and pop landlords and rental investors at a disadvantage to large corporate landlords that can, you know, they have legal teams in place who can um, get them through all of the heavy reg- regulation and red tape. But your average mom and pop landlord you know, they, they're not interested or in, and really aren't equipped to cut through all of this kind of regulation and red tape, nor do they have the pockets to do it, right? They don't have deep enough pockets. Right. I mean, there, there's so many. Without 
rent like a lot of landlords have in the pandemic. So, yeah, and, and it's despite, really pressured by the way, a lot of unemployment benefits that tenants have been receiving. That. <clears throat> a lot of mama, I, we see it in um, a lot of our real estate groups that you, I hear, you can hear the stories, you can hear the sadness, you can hear the devastation of people who just wanted to start investing and, and then something like this happens <clears throat> and it completely overwhelms them. And yeah, it's... So yeah, I mean, this has been a recurring theme that Denny, you and I have talked about many times on the podcast um, and on the blog, how we really encourage landlords to invest in jurisdictions that are more landlord friendly. Um, you know, a lot of new investors don't consider that. They just look at things like cap rates, um, but they really should consider the local regulations, you know, both on the state and the city level before they invest and avoid areas that are extremely tenant friendly. Uh, and Kevin goes on to Absolutely. say it's no doubt contributing to the current housing shortage crisis, among other factors, of course. Uh, and it's true. It's absolutely true. You know, when you regulate the hell out of landlords, no one wants to invest in rental properties, right? So um, anyway, so Denny, now what? You know, what, what's, what are the next steps here? Um, you know, both on like a macro scale and, you know, for individual landlords. Well, I mean, t <clears throat> the Census Bureau survey estimates that there's about 3.6 million people at risk of ev eviction. So now, granted, some of these states are going to prevent some of that. So I guess there could be good and bad in that. But <clears throat> the courts are going to be completely overwhelmed. We already have a labor shortage out there. So there's going they're already hurting. So now we're going to just throw an influx of court cases and you're going to have delays and all kinds of things. So um, just because the ban is lifted doesn't mean, oh, we're going to get these tenants out. It just means now we can file in court. So, and that's a process. Start the process. And right. you should expect the process to be very long and longer than usual um, because of this backlog and the delays. And it also means that you should start now. I mean, serve that eviction notice on your renters now. And uh, we do offer free eviction notices for each state, by the way, uh, on our on our software. Uh, Denny, if you have a, a second, if you can put that link in the uh, comments. Uh, but yeah, we, we do offer free eviction notices. You can serve those on your tenants now to get the, the ball rolling. And uh, well, you know, assuming that your state or city allows you to do so. Um, <laughs> yes. And once each one of those notices comes with a waiting period, so you have to you have to wait out that period before you can then file in court, and then you'll have another waiting period before the court schedules a hearing. And then, assuming you win at the hearing, there will be more waiting for them to be able to schedule an actual put out date. So, on and on and on. Um, it's it's a lengthy process to start now. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't hesitate. If you're in a state that allows it, charge, you know, just run, <laughs> go for it. Um, the other issue um, that is going to happen here is eventually there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to be evicted. So there's going to be a whole lot of properties. This could happen on the market. And what is that? What do you think, Brian, that that's going to do to the rents? Well, it can drive down rents if we, if we do see a, a jump in vacancies, uh, vacant rental housing. Um, but you know, I, I do think that 
there's, this is going to take time to play out. And I don't think we're all of a sudden going to see, it's not like there's going to be this wave of homelessness all of a sudden, you know, and <laughs> that within five days from now, you know, 3.6 million people are going to be on the street and out of their homes and that there will be, you know, all these, all this vacant inventory. Um, it's not going to play out like that. It's, this is going to take place over the course of the next year. Uh, maybe even longer, you know, as the courts work through this backlog, as various states and cities lift their moratoriums, um, as that rental assistance flows out. And by the way, that rental assistance is going to keep a lot of these people in their homes. Um, so, yeah, this is going to play out over time. You're not going to see a sudden uh, jump in vacancies. So. So at this point, um I guess what we all need to really do is make sure again, and I, I can't reiterate that enough, is to check your states and your locations to see exactly what the procedures are. Because the last thing you want is to start something like this and then it gets you either into hot water or, or it just takes more time for you to, to get through it. Yeah, and there are some states that have fines built into their moratorium executive orders, um, fines for landlords who breach the rules. Um, I think it was Connecticut where it was a, it was $1,000 fine for the first offense and $5,000 for subsequent offenses. So these are quite serious fines. Um, don't, don't quote me on that being Connecticut. It may have been New York, <laughs> but, um, anyway, uh, double check the rules in your state. Um, and you know that may mean wading through some of the you know executive orders that have been released by your governor um, or your mayor, um, but we do have uh, we do have some information and some links on our site about this as well. Um, so double check your local and state rules. Uh, start the process if you can. You know, serve the eviction notice first, and then file in court for a hearing if you don't get that back rent. Um, because you're going to have delays and there is going to be a backlog. So the sooner that you can start this process with your wayward tenants, the better. Uh, and hopefully, you know, your, your tenants catch up the rent. You know, there is, there is $47 billion of federal rental assistance allocated for this. Um, you know, and, you know, with, with a lot of tenants going back to work right now, you know, hopefully they will be able to catch it up as well. Right. What about a different approach to investing? Well, right. So, you know, for, for landlords with existing properties, you can, once you get those tenants out, you can look into potentially changing your rental model and renting it as a short-term rental on Airbnb. If you don't want to hassle with long-term tenants anymore, I would certainly understand that for the landlords who have had to eat a year's worth of lost rents in this, in this process. Um, you know, as far as buying new investments, you can always consider land investing, which is almost not regulated at all, uh, which is one of the, what I love about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, these are a couple of different models to consider. You can also do things like invest through, let's say, crowdfunding um, for a more passive approach to it. And that's something that, you know, we're going to talk more about in the coming weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can look at Look at your existing properties, and now is actually a good time to sell as well, right? If you're, if you want to sell your property and just cash out, that's something that um, Kevin mentions here. He says, "I know many mom and pop landlords in my area who just want to sell with these sky high prices rather than continue being a landlord uh, in the wake of this eviction moratorium and unpaid rents and just the, the 
major hassles and costs that a lot of mom and pop landlords have experienced over the last year and a half. So that's an option as well. Just to sell out, sell out while you're ahead, and then you know potentially switch your model of real estate investing moving forward. Um, you know, or if you're in an area with plenty of uh, tourist traffic, you know you can switch it over to Airbnb, a short-term rental model, or as Al Williamson always promotes, a, a, a mid-term renting model, mm -hmm. uh, like corporate rentals, where you're renting for like two, three, four months at a time. Um, so yeah, those are a few options to consider moving forward. Awesome. Well, I think um, for now, that's all we have on this subject. I have a feeling we'll be talking about it again sooner rather than later. We will. And we'll actually, so next week at, at 2, 2 p.m. Eastern next Tuesday, we're going to talk about a, a sister conversation to this one. And that's about the foreclosure moratorium ending and some of the investing opportunities that that might present for you as an investor. So that's kind of a, a flip side of, of a similar coin here. Uh, so next Tuesday, join us for that. And we'll talk about the foreclosure ban lifting and what the opportunities are available for you. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us and um, have a great Tuesday and we'll see you on the flip side and we'll see you next Tuesday. All right, guys, have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.